Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That's horrible. That's true. So strange. Usually. I can't imagine what that's like. Do you want to? That could never happen to me. It might. Lock him away. He's pure evil. Or insane. Or human. My name's Kate. I have worked as a forensic psychologist, as well as in prisons and as a crisis clinician. My job was to figure out who gets locked up and who gets a key. To find the humanity in inhumane situations. So, are you sure you really want to know? Yeah. Maybe. Because by the end of the episodes, you just might end up thinking... I felt better before I knew that. You can find me at IWB Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, sometimes Instagram, or you can email me at iwbpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name is Erica, and I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Billy. Hello. And we are joined today by a special friend of the show. We're talking to Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss podcast. Hello, Kate. Hey. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. So we thought we'd uh, cut the banter at the beginning and just get straight into it because we got some shit to say. Yeah, and before we start, it, Kate, is there anything that, uh, I mean, like, um, huh, I guess you kind of cover it in the promo we just played, but is there anything you want to say about yourself or, or, or your, yeah. your your your, um, your education? or Throw us some credentials. Yeah, make make, <laughs> make, make, make us sound good. Like We got, we got somebody good on here. <laughs> My parole officer doesn't like me doing that anymore, oh. so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, my show is, was born basically partly from the fact that it's kind of hard to convince people to just call you up and be like a guest on their show because it's their show. Mm-hmm. And so I am a former forensic psychologist as well as working in correctional institutions and I've done crisis work. And I have been on disability since 2014, so I listen to a shitload of podcasts. Yes, you do. (laughs) I listen to you guys say, 
why would they do that? Or what the hell happened there? Or, you know, whatever. And I'm sitting on my couch screaming the answer. And somehow you guys can't seem to hear me, you know, several states away and six months ago. Sound waves don't work like that. I told you, Erica, we couldn't, we couldn't hear her. This whole time we couldn't hear her. I've been saying it. So I decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to start my own and answer some of those questions, you know, from my perspective. I don't know all the answers. I just make shit up, but I can make it make sense. And so I talk about, you know, who we choose to lock up and who gets the keys to leave at the end of the day and then what it's like on either side of those doors. Well, yeah. it's, a, it's a great it's a great podcast. Very well made. It is. Highly informative. Thank you. And, and what I would say to people is, you know, as sort of an intro, a semi-intro to this, my last episode, and I'm sorry, two episodes ago, was on schizophrenia. Um, and... I would encourage people to listen to that if they want kind of a primer, a, a basics on some of what it is like to have schizophrenia and um, what some of the symptoms are and that kind of thing, because that may help shorten things up here a little bit, or maybe I'll end up just repeating myself entirely. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> and I thought it was a great episode, especially when you played the clip of like what it would sound like to be schizophrenic. It's just so overwhelming. I, I cannot imagine, you know, I don't have it, uh, but I have had the opportunity to talk to people who are in the middle of an acute schizophrenic break, and that seems like what it sounds like inside their head. Yeah, that, it seems to hit the nail on the head, because that's how I would envision it. I guess that's the wrong word, because you're not really visualizing it, you're hearing it, but that's how I would, you know, expect it to sound. Mm-hmm. And then multiply that by every sense you got. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so guys, go check out the Schizophrenia episode on Ignorance Was Bliss because it is great. And if you haven't checked out the Creepypasta episode, I, I just don't know what the fuck you're doing with your <laughs> life right now. Yes, you and Emily work well together. <laughs> oh, my God. That was insane. I, you know what, that just, that's normal. That's, that's my normal. And my kid and I sitting around talking about things like, Slenderman and creepypastas and murders, you know, at midnight. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's how me and, and, and our oldest is. We'll sit here and talk about, like, oh, uh, you know, like we'll go to the store or something. He'll be like, what's your favorite creepypasta? What's your least favorite creepypasta? <laughs> yeah, and, all, and all that stuff. We'll, we'll talk for fucking hours about it. And, <laughs> and it's cool because I'm like, oh my God, someone has an interest that I have. Oh my God. And then we'll talk and talk and talk and talk. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's. I don't even give a shit about creepypasta. I just like that my 17-year-old still talks to me. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Not looking forward to the next few years of teenageness. Oh, my next my next oldest, Jacob, I love him to itty, itty bitty pieces, and I might actually make that literal coming up here because he's 13. <laughs> and bless his heart yeah, yeah that's how old phaser is thank god he's okay right now but i'm not holding my breath well that's the thing jacob's a great kid but i can see glimpses of it starting already and i'm like oh god we just we just barely got emily through that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know what my problem is anytime we say something to phaser and he just goes shh 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 then we go oh there's something in there yeah i just can't wait for the time when he gets older and thinks he could take on dad because every teenage boy does that in their head they're like i bet i bet you know if i took his ass outside in the driveway i could beat dad's ass that's coming he can wear your shoes i know god 
I know, I know. He's 13. Yeah, fuck's sake. He'll probably yeah. all take your ass next year. He already broke one of your ribs. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's just get to the <laughs> fucking subject. <laughs> broke my fucking rib. I forgot he broke my rib. Yeah, he broke your rib when he was like, what, eight? Yeah. Nine? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's just... <laughs> Erica, no. Erica, no? Is that a new one? Yeah. Let's just go ahead and get started here. No, no, no. I'm saying Erica, go. That's not... <laughs> Ignore the... I can't, I can't even see Billy. Just go. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> All right. So, the whole topic of schizophrenia is kind of what brought us to the story we're going to cover today. And I had this set up, as I mentioned last episode, where we planned on having Sarah for the vampires episode. I set this one up to be immediately behind it because our take on it is the vampirism and Kate's take on it is more of the schizophrenia. So we thought it'd be a cool meshing of the two to bring to you guys. But I do want to start with a rare warning. (laughs) We don't have those very often because... Fuck it, you guys know we talk about horrible shit. But... It's a true crime podcast. It's for grown-ups. <laughs> but this one is not for all grown-ups. Yeah, this one has just about every aspect that you could possibly be triggered by. I didn't get a chance to look over these notes. Am I going to be bothered? You're going to be bothered. There, there is fuckery most... Most foul. Foul. <laughs> there is... Incredible graphic detail on these cases. It's gory. There's animals and children. There's rape. There's necrophilia. Basically, if if you don't have a strong stomach, you might want to pass this one up. It sounds like if there's a law, he broke it. <laughs> yeah, he broke them all. <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about Richard Trenton Chase. The Vampire of Sacramento, which I was very upset that murder and such, thanks Hunter, just did Richard Chase. But we so had our... did a cult <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because so I they're ca- all just listening to me. It's not just Google; it's them too. <laughs> See, and I, I remember coming home to Erica, and I'm like, we have to hurry up. Everybody's doing it, and they are all doing it at the same time. We've had this set aside for the past year, literally the past year, but. We're doing it now because this is the right time. Apparently, the cosmic time. (laughs) So, if you don't know, and a lot of you probably do, in late 1977 and early of 1978, Richard Chase killed six people within just one month's time in Sacramento, California. And he was dubbed the Vampire of Sacramento. Did he do that or did the press do that? They did that. Good. When you pick your own, it never seems to work out. But you just let our seven-year-old pick out his new nickname. He's not a fucking killer either. He he's nugget on the show, but outside of the show, he's Runtendo. Runtendo. <laughs> <laughs> because it combines running and Nintendo, and why not? He's seven. <laughs> so he was called this because Richard Chase drank his victim's blood. And cannibalize the remains. So, a little bit of history about Richard. Richard Trenton Chase was born on May 23rd of 1950 in Santa Clara, California. He was raised in a strict household with an abusive father. There aren't many details on Chase's younger life, but I, I was able to find a few. 
It's claimed that there was a lot of anger and hostility between his mother and father, as his mother constantly accused his father of cheating and trying to poison her. Okay, so Kate, I'm wondering, out of all the inmates, or not even inmates, just patients overall, how many of them, like, on average come from an abusive home? Uh, you can't do numbers over 100%, but <laughs> damn close. That, that would be my close. assumption. <laughs> so, um, she obviously had some paranoia, whether it was valid or not. Um, I, I wouldn't think that he would constantly be trying to poison her if she was hip to his jive, but that was her thought. And she ended up being seen by two psychiatrists... But I couldn't really find any diagnosis that she may have been given as far as if she had any mental health issues. But I would assume so, considering what Richard turned into. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And the way she was later in his life, uh, foreshadowing here. But there's there's something not right with this woman. And the fact that we don't know, to me, signals what we're ultimately gonna see at the trial is that his defense fucked up because we should know nowadays if it happened now we would know every detail about everyone he's ever spoken to yeah and i couldn't really find any like legal documents or anything i mean i found one crime scene photo which was pretty graphic but yeah i wonder like if his defense attorney like addressed the jury jury and was like Folks, he comes from an abusive home. And, like, everybody in the jury box and the judge and the person typing and the bailiff and everybody just rolled their eyes like, yeah. Don't they all? No they all shit. fucking do. Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah. move on. Yeah, right? I don't know. Yeah, I've heard this song. Change the fucking record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move along. <laughs> well, by age 10, Chase was showing signs of the McDonald triad, which some of you may be familiar with. It involves enuresis, which is bedwetting, arsonism, and cruelty to animals. So he wet the bed until age eight. He liked playing with matches, and he started killing cats. Wow, just nailed all of them. By age 10. Oh, see, I was going to say two out of three for me, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) At age 11, his family lost their house. Another big pivotal moment for him, I'm sure. He was already an alcoholic and drug abuser by early adolescence. And his grades were usually C's and lower. Did better than me. (laughs) Come on now. He dated several girls in his teenage years, but was unable to keep an erection. And I was unable to find any demeaning nicknames given to him, like Reggie No Dick and what was the other one? Oh, I can't remember. (laughs) I know what you're talking about, though. Christy can't do it or something like that. You don't really need a bad nickname. To not have, to not get an erection in in middle school. No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. (laughs) Just like when he walks by, just be like, there he is. He he can't get hard. There it is. That's all you really need to fucking do. And that does enough damage right there. True. True. All all you got to do is hold a banana. Yeah. It's pointing up when he gets near you and he gets closer. Just wait it at him. Look what this banana could do that you can't. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. He was arrested for possession of marijuana in his sophomore year, but even with his bad grades and his arrest, he eventually graduated high school and enrolled in college, continuing to eat by on C's. He was briefly seen by a psychiatrist about his erectile dysfunction, who suggested his impotence could be related to repressed anger. He was also thought to have some underlying mental illness as well, but it was never really followed up on. 
Now, around this time, Chase began developing bizarre delusions and hypochondrias. He complained that his heart would stop beating or that his stomach was backwards. He went to the emergency department once reporting that, quote, someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. I can see that. I get it. You, you get that? Yeah. You can see that? Yeah. No. No? No. Yeah. Shut I'm trying to, down quick. I'm trying to be like, kind of like devil's advocate here, but I can't relate to hardly any of this. Mm. That and see, I, I can't see anybody stealing it, but I could imagine misplacing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hidden behind the gallbladder. Okay. I just... He he even held oranges to his head, believing that the vitamin C would absorb into his brain. Osmosis. Kind of. It doesn't work that way? I would be so tempted to squish that right on into his ear. (laughs) You know what? If that really worked, I would be the healthiest person in the fucking world. I would just take a salad bowl and wear it as a hat. I'd be so fucking healthy. That's different from now, how? I don't touch vegetables. <laughs> he doesn't. I don't touch them. The food I eat touches vegetables. That's as close as it gets. <laughs> so, Eric, I, I even had, like, friends tell me everything. He's like, so do you, like, eat organically? And I'm like, well, the food I eat eats grass. Yeah, in a way, I'm organic at the end of the day. Kind of. organs. Yeah. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. A nice pate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking of eating organs. Yeah. Yo. You piqued our attention. (laughs) So Richard even shaved his head in order to watch his cranial bones as he believed they had become separated and were moving around in his head. His main delusion, though, was that his blood was turning into powder and that he had to replenish it. And how did he do that? By killing other creatures and ingesting their blood. You know... For somebody who's a hypochondriac, you would think they go to the doctor a lot. And if I was a doctor, this well, is just did. me. This is probably why I would lose my license as a doctor. I'd be like, okay, sir, so you're saying that your blood is, in fact, turning to powder. I thought you were a part-time urologist. Part-time? Oh. Okay. God, keep it, God, keep it on the... I mean, goddamn. And I would totally do a blood draw and then take this syringe and squirt it in his fucking face. And I'd be like, does that feel like powder? <laughs> no? It's salty? Okay. Get out of my fucking office. So I probably wouldn't have a job well, very long. Okay, so I need to know here. He's making like squirrel slushies. <laughs> Do you shave the squirrel first? No, I, no texture. You need texture. Uh, oh, dear God. I don't know. <laughs> that... It's like it's like a drink and dental floss all at once. Oh. You know what I would do? I would do that with a raccoon. <laughs> But I would skin the raccoon and wear the raccoon hat with the tail. You remember? As you're drinking. As I'm drinking the (laughs) raccoon. Fuck, that'd be awesome. At one point, Richard came to believe that his mother was trying to poison him, which I would assume maybe he got that delusion from his mom accusing his dad of poisoning her. All this poison talk, yeah. Yeah. So... There are poison, there are poison everywhere. Exactly. So, he moved out and rented an apartment with some friends. I don't know how close these quote-unquote friends were, but he moved in with a group of people. But he was constantly intoxicated with either marijuana, LSD, or alcohol, or answer D. All of the above. And he would board up rooms and closets, 
And he walked around the apartment naked, even in front of guests. Well, he fucking lives there, dude. True, but in front of guests. Yeah. That's a little weird. Uh, His roommates complained and demanded that he move out, and he refused, so they were like, fucking bye, and they jetted. So then he was living all alone, and so he began to kill and disembowel various animals, because why not? Like you do. Like you do. Like you do. I mean, shit, you got the place to yourself now. Yeah. Just what go all what, willy-nilly. What if that's what happened, you know, like... They, and, and willy hanging out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he saw them leaving, you know? I'm picturing this like an 80s movie. Pretty much how I picture everything in life. I could see... All them, those great documentaries. Yep. And I could see him leaving, <laughs> closing the curtains, turn around and be like, yes. And then they play, like, from Karate Kid, like, you're the best. Around. around and he's just ripping animals apart naked <laughs> like a whole little montage <laughs> finally i could be me okay. you're just describing some of my family reunions now <laughs> oh wow <laughs> okay no, sorry, carry on sorry erica, erica go, go. <laughs> okay guys all right so around this time when he was uh killing all these animals it was usually rabbits that were his animal of choice and he would either trap them or if the pickings were slim or he was lazy, he would just go buy some. So he'd get these rabbits and he would either devour them raw or sometimes, this is my personal favorite, mix the organs with Coca-Cola and a blender to drink. Like a protein shake. Nice. Yeah. With fur. Yeah, a protein with shake with fur. I would hope it was without, but to each his own. When you're thirsty, who's got time to shave? Just do it. Well, you know, the other option is that he's just... That would quench your thirst and your hunger. <laughs> that one's actually kind of funny, or like wringing out Like Like in Interview with the Vampire, when he's squeezing the rat yeah. blood into the glass. You know. Get every just, last drop. We just cracked the case. That's what he did. Yep. We're just... Yep, that's what he did. We're going to go with that from now on. We weren't watching him through the windows. You weren't watching him through the windows. He probably mm-hmm. had one of those, like... You know the pasta wheel, the pasta maker things. The- yeah. Oh, no, uh-huh. I'm gonna stop talking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the little, uh, the, the the two rollers. Ah, oh, that's gross. Ew. Splat. <laughs> so, yeah, he mixed them with Coca Cola, which you guys probably know already. I like myself a little rum and coke. Uh, I don't know that I would ever drink organs mixed with coke. Makes me but- think of a float, an organ float. Smoothie. Like a root beer float? Thumper and Coke. Oh. Thumper and Coke. (laughs) He believed that by doing these things, it would prevent his heart from shrinking and disappearing from his body. Okay. Here's the thing. It was just shriveling right up. So he did that, and did any of that happen? No. So he might have been onto something. Hmm. We'll see. We'll, We'll save that. We'll put a pin in that for later. Uh, eventually he had to return to his parents' house because he, you know, I couldn't find any records that he ever had a job. I don't know how he ever rented an apartment with people to begin with unless his parents were paying for it. Showing he, up, he moved back with mommy and daddy. Showing up to the door naked, covered in blood, with <laughs> with a gym bag, like, Mom, Dad, sorry. He went back to his parents. Yeah, he went back to his parents' house, but, uh, then they soon separated in mid-1972, so... He'd already been through all this shit in his life and them losing their house. Now his parents separate and he's 
killing animals and wetting the bed and all that jazz. So, yeah, he he was a busy man taking busy poops. Busy man taking busy poops. He ended up becoming so obsessed with the intake of blood that he injected his veins with rabbit blood and, of course, became very ill with blood poisoning in 1975 because never the twain shall mix. You can't put animal blood and human blood together. It doesn't work like that. Not yet. But once my once my science projects are done. Well, actually, I was looking it up and I couldn't find... I was trying to find out what exact symptoms you would have if you were injected with animal blood. And I couldn't really find that. But I did find one source that said if it's like less than 10% of what your total blood is, you'll probably be okay. Probably. Well, he had probably done it before. Yeah. He'd probably done little bits here. You know, you don't. Nobody starts at the maximum dose. You yeah. Know, and, you build up little right. antibodies, and your body can take a little more next time. It's exactly. like fucking cocaine. That he just finally kind of tipped over into overdose, like like you do. Yeah. I'm hung but, up on uh, the. But he complained about the reason he went. He complained at all. Like he he thought this was a fine thing to do. It's not like you showed up going. Holy shit, I don't know what happened last night, but there's a dead rabbit in a bloody vial on the floor next to me. <laughs> so, he didn't walk in saying, shit, I don't know what I just injected myself with. He walked in saying, I burn an itch everywhere. I feel like someone injected me with battery acid. And mm-hmm. ultimately, he convinced himself that the problem was not that he injected rabbit blood. The problem was that the rabbit had somehow, prior to him meeting, uh, the rabbit had been had ingested battery acid. Oh. And that, that So it's Thumper's him. fault. You fucking Thumper every time. Fucking right? Thumper. He's not and here to defend himself. I have had myself actually have had sepsis and it's not actually fun at all. No. Maybe, but no, it's it's no good. I've not had it myself, but I've taken care of dozens and dozens of people with it and it does not look like a party you want to have. In Put your me down for not having sepsis. I'm marking it down. Bucket well, not list, for you. Bucket list done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so after this, they were like, hmm, maybe we should do something about this. And he was involuntarily committed to the American River Hospital, a psychiatric institution in Sacramento. And there he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And this is where Kate can really shine, because we're going to talk a little bit about schizophrenia. So, can you kind of tell us what the clinical definition of schizophrenia would be? No. I have no <laughs> idea. I, <laughs> I, I can, sort of. But the thing is that when I'm doing a full diagnosis on somebody, I try really hard not to have the, diagnose, the diagnostic criteria in front of me or even in my head because mm-hmm. I don't want to walk in already having decided what's wrong with a person. Yeah, predetermined. Exactly. And so, just as a more general sense, what I tend to do is I understand different categories of illness in my head, and and I start to listen to the person talk, and then I start to say, okay, well, they're not describing depression, so we'll drop that, and they're not describing this or that. So, in his case, it sounds like he... I, I don't know how they defined schizophrenia back then mm-hmm. um but i i if you go back to the fact that he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia in the first place i don't hear paranoia in what we know of him 
I hear fucked up. Mm-hmm. So would, I hear delusions, but I don't hear paranoia. Would the hypochondriac part of it kind of coincide with paranoia? That can be a its own. That can be a personality style, or it can be kind of a form of anxiety. Hmm. But it's not necessarily. It's not required for schizophrenia. So, like, if you picture schizophrenia as a class of disorders, um, I picture it as sitting on a spectrum pretty close to ADHD. Um, So right now, you're sitting in a room and you are looking at your pages or your lovely wife or wherever you're looking, and you can hear me. And that's pretty much what you're attuned to. If one of your kids was to suddenly call you or you heard a siren outside, that would pull your attention away because your brain knows that those sounds are more important than Mm -hmm. what's going on right now. But otherwise, you're able to direct your attention here. If you have schizophrenia, you are also hearing the sound of your furnace running and the sound of every car driving by on the street and every single footstep that any animal in your house makes and every time the person next to you moves or breathes or gasps or sighs you hear all of that you see everything in the room at once you're looking constantly scanning because you have a hard time with that attention thing and somebody with ADHD has that kind of all the time and they learn coping skills to deal with that or or not maybe Um, but that's kind of both of those to start that's like what ADHD would be like right mm-hmm. to, to have an inability that you can't focus yeah you either focus on everything or you focus on nothing and the thing about schizophrenia is it's sort of all of the senses it's not just your thoughts and what you're paying attention to it's also the fact that you have a hard time registering sort of hot and cold and how your body feels and you know whether you're moving or not moving that that it's called proprioception, that feeling that you're moving, you know, sort of vertigo. Uh-huh. Um, all of those things all at once. And the problem is that they never quite learn which is the important thing I'm supposed to be paying attention to here. Like, is this voice that I'm listening to, even though it's the loudest thing right now, is that the most important thing in the room or am I supposed to be listening to the cars that go by? Because later they're going to ask me how many cars drove by tonight and I'm not going to know and I'm going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So they start by trying to listen to everything, and you can't do that, and eventually you sort of fracture. You don't learn how to pay attention any better because people don't much help you, and so your social skills start to get stunted, and you have a harder time learning things at school and paying attention because how do you know what to pay attention to? And so it builds and builds to the point where the only thing that you really feel like you can rely on, you know is true in your head, is your head. Is your own thoughts, and that's scary for anybody to do. Yeah. To the reason we're social peace people is so that the person next to you can look at you and go, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> you need that. Sure. You know, I say and, that to Billy like twenty times a day. <laughs> <laughs> See, Billy, she is what's keeping you from being schizophrenic. <laughs> yep. So it all kind of it, you start to listen to your own thoughts, and you know how it is. You, you start. Uh, whatever the task it is that you're doing, you know, I'm going to make this podcast and I really have a lot of things to say and they'll be pretty cool, but I don't know really, I don't really know what I'm doing. And it's been a long time since I've practiced professionally. Mm-hmm. And since then I've had all these health problems and people aren't really going to want to listen. And there's so many other things going in true crime. And what am I going to do? I'm just stupid. I had this wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. 
I'm just stupid. Just forget it. Never mind. Right? And that kind of self-talk is constant. And when nobody else sort of talks you out of it, you start to believe that that's true. Mm-hmm. Those things are true. And so whatever it might be that's in your head. So sometimes you wake up with a song in your head and the lyrics bounce around in your brain and nobody else tells you otherwise. And so you start to tune into maybe those lyrics mean something. Or the past three times that you've turned the TV on, it's been the same commercial. And so maybe, you know, Ed McMahon really does want me to win the publisher's clearinghouse. And it builds and it becomes this, like, your sense of reality, all of it's different, you know, because just your basic senses are weird. And then you add on the thoughts and the social interactions. And it's a hard, it's a hard way to live. I would imagine so. And I, uh, I definitely do not have as much training as you by any means. I mean, you know, but I took psychology in high school and again in college, and they always kind of described it as kind of like a fracture from reality. Like you're not grounded in what's going on around you. With, you're not grounded in the same reality as the people around you. Yeah. Now, there's always that little seed of doubt that I had to carry around as the as the sort of assessing mm-hmm. psychologist of what, what if my reality is wrong? You know, what if they're right? What if it's not a delusion, but a true thing that they're experiencing and I'm wrong. And so, you know, I, I have had experiences where like, okay, say, okay. So for instance, I am hard of hearing. And so there've been times where I've been sitting in like a staff meeting at work. And from my perspective, all of a sudden, every single one of my coworkers loses their fucking minds because all of a sudden they're all dancing, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. It turns out someone's phone is ringing, and they've got like a bouncy, cute little ringtone, mm-hmm. and they can all hear it, and I can't. And so, that, my in that case, my reality is not the correct one. Mm-hmm. So that's always tricky. You know, maybe people are out to get them. Maybe their house really is wired for sight. You know, who knows? So you kind of have to, you have to walk in, you have to leave a lot of your assumptions at the door and you have to walk in ready to listen to this person because as soon as you start hitting them with yeah buts, they're going to stop talking to you. But, but when you say, so sorry to play, but, but so when you say fractured reality, like that's a really common phrase and that makes a lot of sense and I think it works in a lot of ways. If you picture looking through two panes of glass and one is, you know one is regular and one is broken mm-hmm. and when you look through the broken one you get things at different angles or something might look magnified or you get a different shadow on the floor and so so suddenly you're paying attention to something that's not just the scene outside the window yeah that's schizophrenia in a lot of ways but it's not when people say fracture that word always gets an antenna going up for me because that comes real close to split, like split personality. And that's when I have an aneurysm. <laughs> and actually when I, I put in, you know, the, the notes here that it is not disassociative identity disorder. It's not split or multiple, multiple personality disorder. And that's why I love you. <laughs> <laughs> schizophrenia. Let me just, nobody really knows where schizophrenia comes from. And most of the time I don't care, but, in this case, the separation between the two things, it matters. Mm-hmm. That 
schizophrenia might be hereditary. It might be a product of your environment. It might be from growing up in a city. It might be from having a mother that is too intensely involved in your life. There's a lot of things, but the problem is you can't like separate those things out. There's no way to separate out heredity from your home environment as a child, you know, except for like twin studies, but even then I'm, I'm skeptical about. So I've never really, that's not my, that's not my jam. <laughs> okay. But the moral is people who as adults are diagnosed with schizophrenia, the people around them for the most part, with the possible exception of their mothers, they look at it and go, uh, I see it. Yep. Mm-hmm. She was always weird. Because you are, you know, because this is how you perceive reality and it's got to be fucked up from early on. People mm-hmm. don't get diagnosed until they're in their late teens to early 20s usually. That's, there's sort of two points in life where you're most likely to get diagnosed with schizophrenia, although you can get diagnosed anytime. Uh, and that's most commonly in your late teens, early 20s, or there's like a secondary peak in your 40s. Yeah. So something to look forward to. You're hoping. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm hoping. So, but the thing is, that's when the diagnosis happens. That doesn't mean when you show symptoms. Yeah. So, you know, the other people around you and yourself included, if you get a diagnosis of schizophrenia and it's well done by a trained psychologist who sits you down and explains, here's why this is what it is. And it's a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, because that's the difference. Is psychologists are trained in assessment, psychiatrists are trained in medication treatment, and so we kind of complement each other that way in a in a in an ideal world. But unfortunately, both the public and the people themselves kind of get the two fucked up. And so <laughs> whatever, that's a whole other rant. But so that's schizophrenia. You kind of made the point that there's really no definitive test. You kind of just have to observe their behaviors, take their word for what they're telling you they're experiencing, or others that know them. Is that kind of the way it gets diagnosed when you start dropping off all the other diagnoses? Yeah. And you want to know a lot about why is it that I am the one that is diagnosing them? Because everybody lies. It's... I mean, everybody, everybody lies. And the question is just when and what are they lying about? And how much are they going to lie? And so if they know that I am a lawyer for the defense, they're going to they're gonna lie in, uh, uh, rather, uh, if they know that I'm a, a bleh, fluff. <laughs> is that the technical <laughs> term? That I, that's the technical term. I'm sorry, I hate jargon. <laughs> if they know that I am been hired by the defense, they are going to, if they're smart, play up their symptoms, exaggerate their symptoms, look sicker than they are. If they are a lawyer for the prosecution, if the lawyer for the prosecution has hired me rather, then the person may try to act less sick, you know, tone it down some. It's hard to know. It depends on their their decision about who's in the room and how am I most going to benefit. And that's not necessarily conscious. It's just what people do. So I need to know why am I why am I diagnosing them? I need to watch them for a little bit and just kind of see how they interact with the other people that are in the room, and you know what's the best way to approach them. And then you listen to their symptoms and, and have them explain to me 
with their experiences and I try to bounce it back to them like well could it would this be another way of saying that and you do a lot of ruling things out Mm -hmm. you know let's make sure that it's not this other thing and you know it's sort of a different process every time but you know there are sometimes you need actual tests the raw shock or the mmpi and other times you just talk to them for a little bit kind of sounds like a lot this kind of sounds like um a lot of troubleshooting you know to or like you have a bunch of scales and whichever scale fills up with the most sand all the other scales that are lighter like okay well it's not this well it's not this could be symptoms of this i'm seeing symptoms of this but this one's really fucking heavy over here type of thing absolutely and i think all of us are all of us have our crazy all of us have our direction that we slide in when shit gets overwhelming mm-hmm. and some of us run anxious and others go depressed and others might start to have a hard time distinguishing between real and not real anymore or you know whatever and so it's not a case of like oh you are either schizophrenic or depressed it's a case of which which description fits the person the best. And hopefully over the course of an evaluation, you've built up enough trust with the person that when you come back to them and say, this is what I'm thinking, and let me describe this, you know, I'm going to describe what schizophrenia is like. You tell me if that sounds like you. And they should not along with you. They should be like, oh, yeah, 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 no, yeah, And then maybe they'll correct me on parts or, you know, you know miss something or whatever. And that's how you get an answer unfortunately that's not how it used to be done it used to be approached very categorically very discreetly you had one thing or another and there was sort of it was all it was all old white men that did the work of course those old white men yeah fucking patriarchy those old white men were like so you know the first doctor to ever see him makes the diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia and everybody else goes oh okay that's what he's got got it duly noted and there's not a whole lot of questioning or retesting that so much as you've been told that's what it is and so maybe you just let the diagnosis slide altogether or while you're doing your diagnosis you see things that confirm it and you miss things that don't confirm it so that's one of the reasons I used to be really kind of hardcore with people about, please do not tell me what he has been diagnosed with before. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know why I thought this, but like while you were talking about like, you know, how this could be this or this could be this and, you know, rule this out and and all that stuff. I just had this vision where like, I'm your patient and I'm like, so that's what you're fucking scribbling down. Because you know you had that patience like, yep. what would you just write? What, what, what was that? What, what, what was that? And I'm like, I get it now. Like, like I have the teacher's manual. And I'm like, that's what you're, that's what you're scribbling is right there. You're checking, not so much checking stuff off, but making notes to refer back later to, 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 to make an, an accurate diagnosis and, 
everything like that. So like this is cool, man. I like I got to see like behind the curtain in Wizard of Oz, dude. This is this is neat. <laughs> this is neat. And it all played out on a podcast. Well, one of the things about Richard Chase, you know, drinking the blood, I started looking into clinical vampirism or Renfield syndrome. It's fucking called that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Renfield syndrome. Renfield yeah. syndrome. That's the coolest shit I ever it, fucking it's heard. Actually, is named after Renfield. Dra- Dracula's human follower in the 1897 Bram Stoker novel Dracula. That just made my he day. was named R. M. Renfield. And it's it's this obsession with drinking blood, but it's never officially been recognized in psychiatry. It can't be found in the DSM. But according to what I've read, it's believed that there was some key event in a child's early life where the child experiences a blood injury or ingestion of blood. You know, maybe they bust their lip open and, you know, drink some of the blood. But for some reason, they find it exciting and then once puberty arrives, the excitement then transforms into sexual arousal. Ah, fucking course. Or it stimulates a sense of power and control. And it's speculated that it may start with auto-vampirism, which is like ingesting one's own blood. You know, giving yourself a hickey and sucking the blood or cutting yourself and sucking the blood. And then kind of progresses into the consumption of blood from other creatures, whether it be human or animal. But from my research, it usually kind of falls under the diagnosis of schizophrenia as a variety of a paraphilia. Does that sound correct? We don't necessarily label paraphilia as a sick anymore. Yeah. And we don't. And so even delusions are not necessarily part of schizophrenia. They can be, and they often are. Oh, yeah, because I have I have have patients with delusions all the time just because they have a UTI. That doesn't mean they're schizophrenic. <laughs> so, and you can have persistent delusions even that that are not a schizophrenic process, um, meaning that otherwise you're pretty grounded in reality, except for this one fucking thing. Yeah. So, for instance, a flat earther. Uh, oh God. <laughs> flat earthers. Or I've been ab- I I've been abducted by aliens. Or I'm gonna say it. The anti-vax people. Oh, God. Uh, Here we go. God. <laughs> Everyone this inoculate your kids. Come on. <laughs> twice. Jesus Christ. But it's people who otherwise are pretty much normal. But they hold some belief that it's just so fixed you can't even begin to move it. Right? That's a delusion. Mm-hmm. And not all delusions are wrong. You know, some delusions, that's what genius comes from. You know, thinking differently than other people and insisting on following that thought through to the end and you end up with a whole different theory or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the problem is when your delusion has been demonstrably scientifically proven wrong and you still can't let go of it, okay, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. So delusions happen all the time without schizophrenia. And so things like this, this Renfeld's syndrome is something that I don't think of is necessarily part of schizophrenia, but I, I could see where it's a, where it would be a thing. It would, it, just like, like what you're saying is, you know, basically you associate first just the taste of blood with adrenaline. You feel good. Yeah. You know, you, you get in a bike accident and you crash and you taste blood, but you're still fucking alive. And so that feels awesome. And you get that adrenaline rush afterward. 
And most of us kind of move on and we don't cue into that. But if blood somehow is more central to you, to your experience, and you really decide, like, that was the thing. It wasn't the fact that I survived. It wasn't the fact that I got an adrenaline rush. It was the fact that I tasted blood. The blood was the difference. And then we cue into that. And then maybe the next time you taste blood, you feel good, too. And that just reinforces it. And eventually you develop these beliefs that you need it and that every time you have it, you feel better. And when you expect to feel better when you have it, guess what? You feel better. And this sounds fucked up on my end, but I tell you, I mean, apart from all the death and and creepy, gross shit, I'm ironically more comfortable with that than somebody drinking spit. <laughs> Honestly, I yeah. I turned into a um, drinking spit was a good idea. That's not the same as I bit my lip and I had an adrenaline rush. I turned I turned into a white girl at Starbucks with a pumpkin latte, and I just can't even when it comes to drinking spit. Yeah. I can't. The I, other day at work, I was like, dude, if you can do that trait care and deal with his <clears throat> massive amounts of phlegm, I will get everybody's vital signs every single person everybody's got their thing i can't <laughs> i can do it but i really don't want to <laughs> like if, if i had a patient and they're like like if I, if I was a nurse and i had a patient like i drink blood and i'd be like okay well that's kind of fucked up but please continue and they're like but spit makes me sick i would i would fist bump them i'd be like yeah i get you same totally. bro same yep. i'm with you it's fine <laughs> so there's like you said, there's a debate on whether any paraphilia should even be listed in the DSM. Cause well, there's... and I'm honestly not 100% sure that this was... So a paraphilia is deviant sexual practices. Yeah, known as quote-unquote and... sexual perversion and sexual know, deviation. And this is the shit where up until the... So the D, we are at the DSM-5 right now Yeah, in the, in the field. Up until the DSM-3, homosexuality was considered a paraphilia. Yeah. Your concept of what is normal is going to change over time. Exactly. And the idea that these old white men get to decide that any sexual practice at all, that they get to decide is wrong, I'm not cool with. I feel like, you know what? If it's consenting adults, back the fuck out. Yeah. Adult humans. So, (laughs) I'm not certain... First of all, first of all, I mean, we don't. We, he sounds like he starts this 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 fixation, these Renfro syndrome, this you know delusions about blood early, and mm-hmm. that you know he's making his squirrel shakes, and they're not necessarily sexual in nature. Like he's not you know dipping his balls in it before he drinks them. <laughs> True. So, as far as I know. <laughs> so what that. You know, so I don't even know necessarily that this started off as a sexual thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it did. Me personally, I, I think and he it just was sounds like a delusion, just a plain old delusion. I need to drink blood in order to continue to live. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It proves itself because he drinks blood and he's still alive. Yep. Self fulfilling right? prophecy. <laughs> that argument, right? Except, you know, there are whole bunches of us can get through our days without sucking on squirrel slushies, but whatever. <laughs> I okay. cannot get through my day without one of those. The whole the whole idea of a paraphilia, I think they 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 were by this point there was just he was just getting on their radar. He, they were just starting to guess what the fuck is wrong with this guy. Mm-hmm. 
because he's that's a pretty far out there any any sort of delusion if it's going to develop to that point it's not just that you follow that thought process it's that the people around you let you do it this is where that sort of having having the people that you trust around you to go what the fuck are you doing yeah comes in handy he he, he did not have that, that. <laughs> yeah because so he was able to keep developing like more and more you know uh, we're gonna move up to cows now and whatever the fuck so yeah he is definitely a very extreme case <laughs> to say the least so in when he was institutionalized in the American River Hospital, medication seemed to fail on him, and he escaped, returning to his mother's house, because he always went back to mom. And Aww. he was caught and then placed at Beverly Manor, which is another mental facility, Aww. and soon earned the name Dracula after he was found with blood smeared around his mouth. From what you may ask, birds! Okay, but the point of the matter is... <laughs> Is when you're in, in any hospital or any institution and you get the, the nickname Dracula, that is like instant street cred. You know, like when you show up at a prison, you beat up the biggest guy there to establish some type of dominance or something. No, just I think the person that's wheeled in like Hannibal Lecter with a mask and a straight jacket and they call him Dracula, do that. Yeah. You don't have to do shit after that. I just want to know how the fuck he was catching birds. He caught birds, bit their heads off to suck their blood out, and then he just... Threw him out his window. How the fuck do you catch birds in a hospital? I don't know, but that kind of made me think of corn on the cob. Like you just go to work on a bird, and you're like, done, and throw it out the fucking window <laughs> and wait for another one. Ooh, Robin. <laughs> yeah, that that just trips me out. I, I, I know you don't care for birds, but... I know, but there's something funny about a guy with a mouth full of... Or a mouth... Covered in blood. He says something and a feather just Yeah, yeah burps out. and a feather comes out. That's <laughs> fucking great. Well, while he was there as Dracula, he continued to undergo many treatments, including psychotropic drugs, and was soon considered, quote, no longer a danger to society. Even though he failed the bird tolerance classes they gave him. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so... After he was released, his parents were granted conservatorship, and he was released, and ended up back with his mother, and she either weaned him off of his very much-needed meds herself, or allowed him to do so on his own. Bottom line, he went off his meds. Sounds like she she thought he was fine, and so she encouraged him to do so, because he was, from, I, I read somewhere that he was effectively going to go cold turkey and she was like no 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 you're good you don't want to get sick you don't want to back and back up in the hospital but i know you're fine too so i'll help you step off yeah just evidently she must have been a, a doting overbearing mother or something that yeah. thought her son could do no wrong i don't get that but pretty much so off of his meds he again started killing cats dogs rabbits all to drink their blood and around this time, he also became interested in the Hillside Stranglers and began collecting articles about the case. And on well, August... current events. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a worldly man. <laughs> <laughs> on August 3rd of 1977 in Nevada, police found Chase naked and smeared with blood. His Ford Ranchero was stuck in the sand near Pyramid Lake. 
And inside his vehicle, a pile of men's clothes and two rifles were lying on the seat. And a bucket of what appeared to be blood and a liver was sitting on the floorboard. And blood was just smeared everywhere inside this truck. No dead yeah. birds. No no dead birds. Just a bucket of blood and liver. He's doing better then. <laughs> so Chase tried to run and was caught. So I imagine it had to be like, who is it? The naked, greased up, deaf guy? Oh, her family guy? <laughs> family guy. guy. Yeah. And trying to catch him, and he's all smeared with blood, and he's slipping <laughs> out of his hands. And I just imagine Benny Hill music playing. <laughs> Can't catch me, man. I'm a Dracula man. <laughs> just running across this desert sand, zigzagging. You, but, have, uh, the, like, you have like the sheriff on top of the hill, like, guys, just fucking get him. He's like, We're trying, sir. He's slippery. <laughs> well, they eventually caught him. And he told the officers that the blood was his. That it simply just seeped out of him. <laughs> you just look, he, you keep track of your blood. If not... I mean, the world was giving him the biggest fucking hickey and the blood was just oozing out. You know what it wasn't, though? It wasn't powder. It wasn't powder. That's true. But, but dude already lost his pulmonary artery <laughs> once, so you know. Yeah. Plus I mean, what do you expect? I mean, I can't help but feel bad for the guy. I mean, he lost his pulmonary artery. Just just lost it. Yeah. Didn't sit it down anywhere or sat it down and just left it, you know. Somebody took that shit. I mean, how many times do you walk away and you're like, you leave now the house where, and you're like, my phone. Played, Go ahead. Now is where you insert the song Detachable Penis. <laughs> Detachable Penis. Erica, write that down. You don't know <laughs> that song? No. no I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you. It's all right. It's good. It's fine. It's good. My God. They took him into custody, but they they No, don't apologize. This is great. (laughs) They discovered that the blood and liver that they found were actually from a cow, and so no charges were filed. But I mean, if you have a man smeared in blood running around, he's got a bucket of cow's blood and liver, wouldn't you like look for the dead cow? Like, see if he needs to be charged with, like, animal cruelty. You know what's funny? What's really funny to me? It's so funny. I'm not laughing. I'm kind of, like, thinking, like, wow. You know, is um, they have a big board at the precinct and red string. (laughs) And there's Richard Chase. And there's all these farm animals. And they're all, like, the red string is going to each one. And then, like, there's a chicken, and there's a big black X. And there's a cow, and there's a big black X. And they're like, what's next? We have to follow his patterns. <laughs> He's traveling along these roads, and there's a ranch that I know has a lamb. <laughs> get the men out there, guys. And get more string. Get more string. We need more. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Red String Unit. That, that's my handle. Of course it is. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so they just let him go. No worried about, you know, the farmer that could have owned that cow that all this blood came from. The prize winning cow, he would never well, hurt. He was supposed to go to the 4-H competition. But and no, now I, he's in a I bucket. Remember, I, I, grew, I, I grew up in way upstate New York. And so I have some legitimate redneck, right, white trash cred. Yeah, we all do. That. I say it because <laughs> of me. Yeah, you know. So uh, I have been to slaughterhouses. Ooh. 
And you I don't have that much cred. House blood by the bucket if you want it. Um, I'm I sorry. I'm sorry. Those are called abattoirs. Abattoirs. <laughs> not, no, not where I grew up. That was just Uncle Jim's house. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a place called Outback. <laughs> that was called a family get together. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's just where we hung out. I had an, another uncle, Uncle Claire. He raised trick pigeons. Oh, nice. <laughs> those are the best for prank calls. <laughs> You'll get that when you hear the next episode tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Oh, I have to stop. No, go ahead, Kate. You were talking about slaughterhouses. <laughs> this is great. No, just saying. Get cows blood by the bucket. I'm not saying anymore. I have nothing to do with any of that. Never did it. No. Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> Deny it to the grave. <laughs> but just what I am saying there's a, I can, you know, that's the kind of a, you know, any criminal defense angle is that if you can come up with any explanation for the behavior that is not criminal in nature, then you can't charge them and necessarily. And that includes something like, ah, oh, maybe he just went out and hang, hung out at Kate, Kate's Uncle Jim's house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not the weirdest thing about my family. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, uh, shortly after this, um, the conservatorship had expired, and Chase was pretty much left to his own devices. He had no one responsible for him anymore. What, the warranty on your not parents that, can wear out? Not that they were really being responsible before, other than maybe taking him to the hospital when he had blood poisoning. But... <laughs> I can picture his mom walking by like, Hey, Rick. Did you kill any chickens today? No, Mom. All right. You're cool. I'm going to go make pancakes. I don't fucking know. Well, I want to know, this is something that may be a difference between Massachusetts and California. In Massachusetts, a conservatorship effectively has to do with your financial dealings. Mm -hmm. It's like a, you, you can no longer get a credit card. You don't pay your own bills. You can't sign a lease because you can't be in charge of a bank account that would pay rent, things like that. So mm-hmm. it's it's a financial limitation on your actions. Um, it's not a full guardianship. So a full guardianship would be more about where you can live and where you can go, and there's more restrictions. And okay. then in Massachusetts, you have to have even a higher level, what we call a Rogers guardianship, if you want to be able to force someone else to take medication. So even if you are their guardian, you can't make them take meds if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. Uh, It takes a certain, it's pretty rare. It's pretty unusual to have. So a conservatorship, you know, that that's, there's a lot made of that. in a lot of the articles I read and I, if somebody's in California and knows different and can correct me, please do. But my understanding is that that's not that big a deal. Like it's not, they never had all that much control over him to begin with. And once mm-hmm. the conservatorship expires, all that means is he might be allowed to rack up some debt now. Okay. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Well, he was off on his own doing his thing and uh, showed up at his mom's house again. And hearing a loud noise outside, she opened the door and saw Chase holding a dead cat, <laughs> which he then threw to the ground. And began tearing it open with his bare hands, smearing the blood on his face and neck. Where would he get bare hands anyway? Where do bears come from in all this? Jesus Christ. I know, right? Sorry. Yeah. 
he just tore into this cat right in front of his fucking mommy. And mom of the year didn't report it. She was just like, oh, that's just Richie being Richie. <laughs> yeah, just let it slide. Make sure you clean yourself up for dinner, love. Yep, go wash your hands. And that would prove to be a very big mistake on her part. Because in December of 1977, Chase bought a 22 caliber semi-automatic handgun. And he also set fire to a neighbor's garage in an attempt to drive them away because their music annoyed him. Well, okay, but this is in, this is in the time of dix, disco. So. <laughs> I True. Get it. I get it. But, you know, if he's truly schizophrenic, if it's some type of music that's just completely overwhelming to him, you know, I could see maybe that that would bother him extremely. I don't know that. He should... I could see him yelling and screaming at them. I could see him having a meltdown. Yeah. But setting a fire is more sort of, you know, the idea of driving the neighbors away. Exactly. That's usually, if you're experiencing, like, the flood of, uh, <laughs> the clinical term. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> in the moment where you're just totally overwhelmed with schizophrenia, you're not thinking, I want these people to pack up all of the things and move to another town. Exactly. You're just thinking, make it stop right now. Yeah, you're curled up in the fetal position, covering your ears, going, oh my god, I can't take it. I can't even... I can't them, even. You know, or you're screaming at your neighbors. But the the, the setting the fire, that that's kind of one of those things that says to me, maybe not schizophrenia. Yeah, he, it's a little deliberate and thought out. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, we've told... And with schizophrenia can form long-term plans. They just... It, that's not typical. Yeah. To do it like that. Yeah, so... Of course, we've covered Richard killing all these animals and drinking blood, but this is when shit really starts to get bad, when he starts going for human victims. His first known victim was killed in a drive-by shooting on December 29th of 1977, which I think is just odd. Just to me, because he's been so hands-on with the animals to shoot at someone from afar. I don't know if he was like trying to warm up to it, get used to the idea of maybe hurting or killing somebody it just seems kind of okay why do why does anybody kill any human being you either kill because you want the other person to be to be dead or you kill because there's something about the act of killing Mm -hmm. that does it for you and in his case it doesn't seem like it's the act of killing it's that he wants people to be dead yeah so if you shoot them from a distance, then poof, they're just magically dead. And I just found them laying here. So I'm just going to kind of take them with me. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a, a strange jump from the animals to this. It's I don't know. It kind of makes me think of, um, I, I always go to movies, The Professional. When he was teaching. Great documentary. It was a really good documentary. <laughs> and... Um, when he was teaching Matilda how to be an assassin, they started with a sniper rifle, meaning you're going to start with this because the more distance Very you long have, distance. the better. And he even said, mm-hmm. the knife, for instance, will be the last thing you learn. So he already did all he was going to do with animals. So with humans, he's going to start back a little bit and then gauge where he is and then progress closer, more, more closer proximity, more intimate. But right now... 
this is what's this this is what will work. We'll start here and then move in from there. Or if I fucked it up, then I'll move back a little bit, type of thing. That's just me. So well, and I think, yeah, I, and I think yeah that you know with animals, he's probably had enough experience to learn that that there's something about the process of killing and, and hands-on that he doesn't like. Something he finds distasteful or uncomfortable. So he's going to try to start killing him as far away as he can. You know, I want you to be dead over there, and I don't want to have my hands on you while I do it because something about strangling animals I find distasteful. You know, I mean, for mm-hmm. me, I can't imagine what. <laughs> yeah, most uh, most but, rational people can't know, so, imagine. <laughs> oh, let's try to, you know, something in his head. Well, first of all, he got a hand gun, and now that gives him the opportunity to shoot a bigger game. And so let's start with humans, <clears throat> and let's start from a ways back because I don't like hands-on killing. And then he realized that it didn't work so well because the person may drop, but shit, now I have to go over there and get them. I'm on a, I'm a, I'm a goddamn 10-speed or whatever. <laughs> and I can't pick up this dead weight, and so I got to figure out another way. Yeah. Well, this first victim uh, from the drive-by shooting was killed on December 29th. He was 51-year-old Ambrose Griffin, who was a father of two. And he was shot in front of his wife while carrying in groceries. Just a guy walking from his car to his house. Now you see why we all grab bags as many as possible and get inside the house. <laughs> this right, could right, also right. be relatable to the DC sniper. People just going about their day and boom, there you go. Yeah. So his wife actually first assumed that he had had a heart attack. She didn't relate the sound of the popping noises she had heard to a gun. She just saw her husband drop and thought he had a heart attack. He was grabbing his chest because that's where he was shot. But it was discovered that a shot had been fired into a woman's house just two days prior to that. And in that incident, no one was injured. The bullet narrowly missed the woman and it actually hit one of her kitchen cabinets. And police were able to retrieve a twenty-two caliber slug from her kitchen. And that was found to have come from the same gun that killed Ambrose. So things start picking up and he's getting more irrational, doing crazy shit. A couple of weeks. But at the same time, that's there's a certain like he just learned that didn't work. Mm-hmm. That sniper approach that didn't work. OK, I got to try something different. Yeah. Yeah. Workshop. It's not rational like. You know, rational, pretty rational, but there's a logic to it. Yeah. What's the first victim's name? Ambrose Griffin. I just don't know why, but I got this vision where he took a round and he's holding a bag of avocados and chicken, you know, and he goes down and his wife's like, Ambrose, Jesus Christ, we do this every week, okay? We all have to carry in the fucking groceries. Get your ass up. Oh my God! Change the record. Yeah, we get it. it he sucks. laid there like a slug. He laid there like a slug. <laughs> it, was it was his only. It defense. was his only defense. <laughs> like you know, like turn around, like oh Ambrose, this shit again. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ! And the Oscar goes to fucking Ambrose. Way to go! <laughs> well, a couple of weeks after killing Ambrose. Chase was caught in a couple's house as they returned home. Uh, He would actually go door to door, and in his mind, 
that if the door was unlocked, then that meant he was welcome to come into the house. You know, I've read that, and I thought that was very fucking weird. And in a way, I was like, oh, cool. Because, like, you got the people whose doors were locked. He was like, ah, I'm not allowed in here. Yeah. And they narrowly and he escaped. Just walked away. They escaped a killer. Yeah, just because their door was locked. But if it was unlocked, he thought, oh, well, they want me to come in. I'm supposed to be here. Yeah, so he got into this couple's house, and he fled, of course, when they came in. He scuffled with the husband, but he left the house in complete shambles. He had urinated in a drawer of baby clothes and defecated on a child's bed. Just because well, why not? You're already there. <laughs> Has nothing to do with his bloodlust and, you know, needing to keep his blood from turning into powder. He just wanted to shit on a kid's bed. Well, he went to college, and that's the frat boy in him. <laughs> <laughs> he never got that out. You know, he, 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 he was like one step away from TPing the house, and they came home. He was like, ah, fuck, well... Well, uh, I, push it out. I pissed and shit. Yeah, yeah. Was like, okay. He was pinching it off as they came in the door. Go, butt, go. <laughs> and that's where we've dropped down to is talking about shit jokes. <laughs> we've devolved. We've evolved. <laughs> Maybe in your mind. <laughs> so this is where stuff gets really bad. He next attacked 22-year-old Teresa Wallen on January 23rd. He found her door unlocked, of course. And when he walked in, he bumped into Teresa as she was taking out her garbage. He shot her three times. One of those was in the hand. It was a defensive wound as she tried to shield herself. And I don't. I thought I'd include this just because it was fascinating to me. It traveled in her hand up her arm, and came out her elbow oh, okay. like that and, like, nicked her in the neck. Now, see, you're holding your hand up. But he could have been over here. To me, know? it looks like a uh, your hand is sticking straight yeah. out, like, stop. And it shot Not her. Not like your arm's and, bent. But, like you know, you... enter the palm. It's a twenty-two. It's going to bounce all over the place. I can't see a twenty-two. I mean, obviously, it happened. It must have been, like, super, super point blank. 22s, they don't have a whole lot of kick. 38s really bounce but off. But he was right up on her. I mean, they bumped into each other, and he shot her, and it went up her arm and came out and hit her neck. Man. Yeah. The next shot... So, is that one, two... Is that three bullet wounds? Or is that still a bullet wound because it came from one bullet? Uh, it's still considered a wound, but she was shot three times. So, you have the entrance wound, the exit wound, and then a graze on her neck. Okay. But... He shot her again, and that one went through the top portion of her skull. That's bad. (laughs) Then, as she lay dying on the floor, he knelt down and shot the third shot into her temple. So, he's killed this woman. He's got the house to himself. This is where it gets pretty graphic, guys. Put on your big girl panties. This is where it gets dark. Yeah. He dragged her body into the bedroom... And raped her corpse while stabbing her repeatedly. Okay, listeners, at this point, I really won't get mad if you turn it if you turn it off. It's okay. <laughs> Fast forward a little bit. <laughs> it's okay. He ended up cutting off her left nipple, removing multiple organs, and I believe he actually put some of them back in the body after he was done sucking the blood out. And then drank her blood from an empty yogurt cup he found in her garbage that she was taking out. They actually found the cup with 
blood rings in it. Yeah. Don't give me that look. <laughs> I was actually thinking of Bill Cosby. What? The Jello pudding cup. You're gonna take the blood and put <laughs> it in put the cup. Gonna put the Jello pudding. <laughs> you're gonna ring out the. You're gonna, yeah. You're gonna take out the pulmonary artery and hide it as a joke. Take her stomach and turn it backwards. I got a sweater. That's really all I know. Okay. Well, now we know where Billy's education stopped. Don't you fucking judge Jello me. Jello pudding. Don't judge me or call me names. <laughs> I think it's too late. Yeah. I think you've been judged. Damn yeah. it! Well, uh, now we can judge Richard, because uh, he then, after doing all of this to her, went outside, retrieved a pile of animal feces, went back inside, and shoved it down her mouth and throat. Yeah. Richard. That's pretty bad. And that's a real it's... step up from a fucking drive-by the other fucking Yeah. Day. At just a few weeks, he's shoving dog shit down a dead lady's throat. Man, he went full bore. Yeah. Whew. Full dog shit. I don't know. And what really makes this bad? Oh! Something's going to really make it bad. Yeah, you know how I like to bring it back. Oh, I oh, I thought this was all bad from the fucking beginning. Teresa. Stupid me. Teresa had been three months pregnant and her husband David is who discovered her body. Sorry. Son of a bitch. Yeah. That had to be pretty PTSD inducing. <laughs> Coming in and finding that. Yeah. And then it... The really bad gets really fucking horrible. There's more? There's more. What more could you possibly fucking do? He's only killed two people. You know he killed a total of six. He kind of killed three just now, didn't he? Well, most states would not consider three months to be a a, a life. Fair enough. Especially then. Yeah. Back in the 70s, nah. Okay. So, Chase then took the lives of his final victims... Just four days later, on January 27th, which is my dad's birthday, and... Uh, I fucking get it now. Y- yeah, it makes sense. Uh, he entered the home of Evelyn Maroth, a 38-year-old who was babysitting her nephew. So Chase first encountered Evelyn's boyfriend, Danny Meredith. He shot him with his twenty-two handgun, and he then kind of ran room to room through the house and shot everyone else. Evelyn, her six-year-old son, Jason, and her 22-month-old nephew, David Ferreira. He had been lying in his crib. Evelyn's torso had been cut open after he sodomized her corpse. And it's noted in several references that a very large amount of semen was found in her rectum. So, I don't know if he did it more than once, if he just had it built up and it was a huge load, but several sources said it was a large amount of semen, is all I'm saying. Yeah, I never knew, if, or if that just meant enough to prove that it that had happened. Had been raped as opposed to, you know, to his completion as opposed to whatever yeah. threatened or slightly or whatever. I don't know. It just kind of stuck to me. I was like. Knows. Okay, they're making a big point about this. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm just wondering what the millimeter amount, or milliliter amount is to where they're like, 
That's a lot. All right, that's a lot. Now we just reached it. <laughs> you see where the red mark is on the on the scale? Now it's a large. That's a large amount. Like when you're having a fundraiser and you color in when you reach a certain amount. Yeah, that was a horrible analogy. That was the worst analogy I think I've ever this heard. This is a horrible story. Is there any analogy that could be good? No. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not done. God. <laughs> okay, okay. Whew. He sliced and stabbed her body, stabbing her through her anus into her uterus at least six times. Don't take a drink yet. He even tried to remove one of her eyes. And, of course, he drank her blood. And large, bloody rings were later found on the floor near her body as if a bucket had been placed there. So not a, not, not a jello cup. No, a bucket. Okay. A jello bucket. And, a jello um, bucket. Yeah. It's not fit for the refrigerator. You gotta have a, a walk-in refrigerator for something that size. Yeah. They were probably going to throw away the Jello bucket because they made yellow, or not yellow, but orange Jello, and nobody likes orange Jello. It's not bad. Somebody likes it. It's good if you put mandarin oranges in it. I sound really old. I oh go my for god! Before I go for good green, so there's that. I, I've I've had it because I work with old people, and it's not that bad. Whatever you got to tell yourself. Yeah. Whatever you got to tell yourself. Pineapples and cottage cheese, Pretty man. soon you're going to talk about the texture of the cereal total. <laughs> and uh, back to the horror. Chase was mutilating baby David's corpse when a knock on the door from one of the neighbors startled him, and he fled with the corpse. Specifically, knock on the door was a six-year-old girl. Yeah. It and... was the neighbor's kid because Jason, the the nephew who was killed, or the son, rather, yeah, um, was supposed to go over to the neighbor's house and play. And when he didn't show up, her mother sent her over to find out where's Jason. And she knocked on the door. Yeah. Knock, knock. Can Jason come out to play? <laughs> yeah. And nobody came to the door, but she heard somebody moving around. And so they returned. And in that span of time, Richard yeah. left. He, he tucked the kid in a football hold and was like, so out the out I'm the door. <laughs> really fucking glad that neighbor didn't have a key and sent his send her daughter over. Yeah, like, Here's the spare key. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. They they uh, found all the bloodshed and called the police, and uh, of course they didn't find the baby David at the scene, but a bullet hole and blood were noted in his crib, so they assumed he had been shot too. So Chase left perfect handprints and shoe imprints at the scene. And he had also been seen around the neighborhood and even ran into an old high school classmate who could name him. So detectives decided to run a background check and they ended up suspecting him as the killer. They went to his house the Sunday after the murders to talk with him. So within that week. And he refused to open the door. He was like, "Uh uh-uh, nope. So they, this is how either stupid or crazy he is they pretended they were leaving and after a while he just like walked outside carrying a box what's in the box what's in the box and he was headed for his car you know it's like when people do the fake walking down the stairs and it gets lighter and lighter because you think they're going away they like basically did that to him okay we're leaving now richard we'll talk to you later tap and they the just hall. like hung out behind the bushes and he's like oh good they're gone here i go bye <laughs> yeah 
easiest way to catch somebody is pretend you're leaving. Wait on him. So they were able to arrest him, but he did fight. He struggled. Um, they noted he had dried blood on his parka and on his shoes. And his twenty-two handgun was on him. He also had Dan Meredith's wallet in his back pocket, along with some latex gloves. The box he had been carrying just contained pieces of blood-stained rags and papers. I'm assuming he was just going to get rid of them because they were dry. And, you know, what nutrition can you get from that blood? It's, it's not a smoothie. No. So, throw it in the trash. While at the police station, he admitted to killing dogs but would not say anything about the murders. But during this time, his apartment was searched, and it pretty much told its own story. It smelled of <clears throat> rank death. I mean, almost everything Which was... Which is a totally different story than what I tell my kids at bedtime, usually. <laughs> yeah. You know, the apartment can tell one story. Usually I'm like, once upon a time. Yeah. It doesn't usually start off with, it smelled of rank death. Yeah. Everything was bloodstained, including his dishes. There were some body parts that they found in the refrigerator, including a partial brain in a jar. You know, the entrails and shit left in the blender. You'll have that. <laughs> You'll have that. He needs to hook up with Catherine Knight. There was a science book full of human organ overlays that was found on the table. And I do have to say, when I was a kid, I got a set of encyclopedias for Christmas one year and I was a nerd so I thought that was like the best thing ever and I always flipped to like the anatomy part because they had these clear overlays where you could look at each individual system you could look at the digestive tract and you could look at the muscles and you could look at the bones oh the clear yeah that was so cool so that's what I'm assuming is kind of what he had it was just an anatomy book but I always thought that stuff was fucking fascinating I didn't go around blending up squirrels and rabbits and drinking them that's where you failed in life evidently but I'm with you man that was our google that shit was a fucking amazing oh I loved it I had I had a waterbed with the shelf and the headboard and all my encyclopedias were on there I was like, the shit? I remember when we dated in high school. You still I still, had, had, you still them. had them. I had them into our marriage. You know what I always looked up, aside from the cool anatomic thing? I don't know why, but I was fascinated with Incan and Mayans. I liked Egypt. Nobody fucking asked you what you liked. Nobody asked you what you liked. <gasps> Fucker. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I'm hearing foreplay and I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, he had that hanging out on his table. That was like his reading material. But I don't think, you know, he really needed table books because it wasn't like he was having people over. But he had this laying out on the, the table. There's guts and stuff in the kitchen. There were three pet Where collars. I, I keep mine in the freezer out in our spare room. Where do we keep what? I'm sorry. Our, our guts and stuff. Spare room? Yeah. That's where you keep it? Yeah, that's where it goes, is in, in the freezer. Right. I was just curious, because you sounded like sort of appalled that they were in the kitchen. I was curious. Yeah. They don't, they don't belong in the kitchen. <laughs> Come on they now, They go Kate. in the spare room. Yes, that's our extra stuff. We break that out when we're really hungry. Or special days. Easter's coming up. Yeah. And it's April Fool's Day. (laughs) So, uh, in addition to all this stuff, they found three pet collars. No pets. No animals. Just collars. That's the worst way to find a pet. 
So that tells me that he had pets or he took somebody else's pets. Probably the latter. Not just strays. Something that had a collar. And he was like, nom, 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 nom. Well, but it tells me that, yeah, he did that. Okay. <laughs> but then he used the whole pet. Exactly. He was efficient. Yes. He, he didn't waste. No waste. <laughs> I could just see him, like, looking at a poster. You know the posters that, or the papers, you know, that have the, the, the picture and the little tabs you pull off? Uh-huh. Just looking like, oh, you know, and, and this is the dog collar. And then, like, he has the call if you get this dog on his keychain. He's like, <laughs> and just, like, gives it a rattle. And he just walks off like. <laughs> Here, yeah. Poochie, Poochie, Poochie. Yeah, I'll be sure to call him up. My Poochie. <laughs> My Poochie. My Poochie. You'll get that one next time, too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they found uh, these pet collars. No animals. They didn't find baby David, but police did note on a calendar that he had written the word today, and it was marked on the dates of the Wallen and Maroth murders. And the word today was also marked on 44 more dates coming up through the year. I thought you were going to say it was misspelled or something. So I'm thinking in his mind, maybe he had a compulsion. He had, he felt like he had to kill people at certain intervals. To me, it looks like premeditation. To get the blood. Yeah, I mean, obvious premeditation in my opinion, but... Yeah, it sounds like he, that's whatever, it sounds very much like his delusion built yeah, it, and added in... It became scheduled. Outside, including, <laughs> okay, it's time to go for humans based on some, God knows, something he saw on TV, something he saw, it could have been the lottery numbers, who, who, who fucking knows? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what... what to anybody else it wouldn't have to make sense but it made sense to him yeah every and he kept track of those numbers and he marked them down every third thursday i gotta go kill some people I'll and get some what. blood i tell you what richard as long as it ain't spit <laughs> cool no diseased phlegm that's that's a no-no you're giving out a lot of stuff on the next episode <laughs> i know it's coming out in a few hours okay so of course he was arrested obviously but it wouldn't be until March 24th, three months later, that a now partially mummified baby David would be found by a church custodian in a box outside the church. The, the church custodian is now in an institution where he can't just fucking deal with what the fuck he saw. Right. He's curled up in a corner, rocking back and forth. He hasn't opened the box in 40 years because, Jesus Christ. Get the box away from me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every Christmas, he's like, just set the presents out. Yeah. Don't wrap gift shit. bags. Only gift bags. <laughs> yeah, like for the rest of his life, he's like, you know what? Applebee's gift cards. Just do that. Yep. And just give. I them can to me. clearly see what they are. Give them to me before we go to bed. I don't even want to fucking deal with this. Yeah. Honey, so, uh, why? The baby. Oh, in yeah. the box. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. No, you're right. Oh right, I forgot. I'm yeah. so sorry. Was it mummified? It was. Thanks it, for peeling off that scab. It was, yeah, because three months went by, so it had time to kind of harden up. And, and then when he opened the box, of course, you know, and saw the mummified baby. Had a good cry and, and called the cops. <laughs> you know, the cops came and they were like, oh, shit. Uh, Chase had severed the child's head, stabbed the body several times, and consumed some of the brains and blood. I'm sorry again. Fuck! <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Uh, fucking Debbie Downer. Yeah. 
So uh, his trial began on January. <clears throat> yeah, it began on January second, nineteen seventy nine. Wait, hold on. Do you think they told the custodian? Because you know, as I've seen in every eighties documentary, when you find a body, you're clearly wrapped in an army blanket on the back of an ambulance. <laughs> Do you think they were like, "Oh man"? Um, just so you know, um, the baby's head was cut off and stabbed multiple times, and the brains were eaten. And he's like, "Why? Why did you even? Yeah. Fucking, what was the point? Of- if it, if it was an eighties movie, they would have." said that was this for you did you need to tell me for you <laughs> did you get something from this you could have just said it was a fucking doll and i would have still went home fucked up but now you had to fucking tell me this i need another army blanket and one of the foil ones you know the foil yeah keep yeah. you warm yeah you need one of those too well and and under the baby's body they found uh danny meredith's car keys motherfucker so they were pretty sure that this was you know baby david so uh yeah he was charged with six counts of first degree murder and the defense asked for second degree murder due to chase's claimed insanity and to avoid the death penalty but that was denied and chase who had dropped to 107 pounds and he was like five foot 11 107 pounds which is 48 and a half kilograms for yeah. you people overseas or I'm, up north. I'm 6'1 and 300 pounds. <laughs> yeah, he's 5'11 and I don't know how many meters that is. I didn't ask Google. Well, you should have asked Google like how many stones that is. I'm, I'm obsessed <laughs> with these stones. Well, he, he was skinny as fuck with sunken in eyes and he didn't look well. He was missing out on all that good protein. I guess. <laughs> he was missing out on his rabbit slushies and... Baby brains. Well, no, you go too long without squirrel. It's just a bad time. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. He, he had the he had the he had the squirrel sweats. He <laughs> <laughs> he was like, if I cannot have my roadkill, I am going on a hunger strike. I can't he's even. He's shaking in the corner. He's got the squirrel sweats. He needs his fix, man. Come on. Rodent trimmings. Rodent trimmings. <laughs> just, just. I just need a hit, man. Just, 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 just a little bit. Yeah, give me a mouse. I make it worth your while, boo. I need a bird. <laughs> give me a bird. Bird stat. Well, he ended up taking the stand. Oh my god! I just thought the Shawshank Redemption when Brooks gave the bird a maggot to the the, the uh-huh. grub worm, you know, and you can just see Chase going over to snatch the fucking bird right out of his fucking pocket. Ah, you got it. Jake was here. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Jake says, thank you. (laughs) He just grabs it and is like, Richard says, thank you. (laughs) Richard says, burp. (laughs) It's like like having a granola bar in your pocket or, you know. It's your little pick-me-up. Wouldn't it be weird if they gave him a possum? And he ate it, and he gained like 20 pounds muscle mass. <laughs> and everybody's like, fuck me. He was fucking on to something. We need to eat more possum. Publish this shit on Facebook. I don't think it was around then. No. But... In 79, no. I don't even think they had DNA. I don't even think Zuckerberg was born in 79 or 2 or whatever the fuck. 79. Yeah, that's what I said. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, he got on the stand, 
And he stated that he was only semi-conscious during the killings. He was only partly there. But he did recall exactly what he did to baby David. So he did recall something. So the debate between the two sides essentially became whether or not Chase knew right from wrong when he committed the crimes, whether he was sane or insane. So the defense claimed he was insane and couldn't have been grounded in any kind of reality where he would know that what he was doing was wrong. Insane in the baby brain. Oh. Insane in the brain. Bad Billy. That was... What? No, that That was was amazing. It was pretty good. That was fucking amazing. Up top. All right. So... The prosecution, on the other hand, claimed that he knew what he was doing and had prepared for it as evidenced by him having the latex gloves that they found in his pocket and that they believe buckets had been taken to the crime scenes as evidenced by the blood rings the size of a bucket I'm so glad that were the, found. I'm so glad the research you do because if it was my podcast, I'd be like... And then the prosecution was like, nuh-uh. <laughs> Prosecution was like, fuck this guy. Look at him. He's a dick. Ugh, eat rest, a dick, Richard. Rest my case. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> the, the prosecution talking about these buckets. You know, you've, you've, we've all seen like in like the Sorcerer's Apprentice, right? The Mickey Mouse thing. Uh-huh. And they're carrying the buckets around and the buckets are sloshing all over the place. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that fucker had a, a lid. <laughs> Yeah, one that he had to pry open with like those little tools you get for when you open paint buckets. One of those. Key, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't care what he had to pry it open. I just hope he was knife. splashing it all over his leg, <laughs> walking up the street, you know. And I don't think he cares. It's just a mess. I mean, he walked out to his car in front of the police with dried blood all over his parka and his shoes. So I, I don't <laughs> think he cared too much. <laughs> yeah, he was like, what's up, bro? He was like, ah, exfoliating my blood treatment. He was like Elizabeth Bathory. He was like, I want to bathe in it. Yeah, he, well, was, he probably did dip it's his balls in it, Kate. Just, it's just inefficient. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, like, in terms of management, you know, OPM, that kind of shit, it was just not an efficient method to carry the blood. And you you hope that he had a lid on it and, and thought this through a little better. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. If you're going to do a job, you do it right. Yeah. Don't do a half-ass. <laughs> he had it marked on his calendar. He knew he was going to go. Yeah. He had a fucking lid. <laughs> It'd be funny if he didn't have a lid the first time and literally smacked his forehead. Ah, fuck! <laughs> Face palm. Oh. I kind of. What the cup. fuck is wrong with me? I I told myself to bring the lids, but I felt like I could do it. There are days. There are days. There are days. There are days. <laughs> I tell you what. Well, uh, like, like later that night, he's like washing his face, looking in the mirror, he's like, <laughs> fucking lids, son of a bitch. <laughs> Man. Ooh, won't put, do that again. Put that in a goof reel, tell you what. <laughs> if there's a blooper of my life. He's a goofy goofer. Well, it's, it's a learning curve, right? Just right. Like podcasting in the Exactly. Stuff, you, you just get better as you go. <laughs> Funny, like... I, again, I go to like '80s like sitcoms and shit. And if like, you're an '80s child, it's accepted. He's like <laughs> splashing around blood. And he just stops and looks at the camera, and it's like, womp, 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 womp. and everyone's like, "Oh, Richard!" <laughs> he, oh, I don't got this blood everywhere. <laughs> 
Well, on May 8th, after deliberating for five hours, the jury found Richard Trenton Chase guilty of all six counts of first-degree murder. And during sentencing, they took about an hour to declare that he was actually legally sane, and then four hours to decide his punishment for the murders, which was, you know, being sentenced to death by a gas chamber. And I did want to ask you, Kate, kind of about the difference between legal insanity versus, like, medical insanity. Uh, yeah, totally. You can be batshit crazy, but mm-hmm. be legally sane. The bar, I, I hate that they use the same word because that makes it unnecessarily confusing, but the bar for being considered legally sane is real low, and that's why we can charge 12-year-olds with murder. Mm-hmm. Um, you basically just have to, you have to know, you have to be in control of your actions, you have to know right from wrong, and you have to recognize the roles of your lawyer and the other lawyer and the judge in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can understand those things, you, you're basically considered legally sane. And some states use a different way of measuring it now, which would not have applied then at all. Um, but now some, some states talk about an irresistible impulse uh-huh. or a, a mental defect, which those ideas are, are like the idea that you can be totally overwhelmed in the moment and be proven to be sort of out of control of your own actions mm-hmm. uh, for one reason or another. But now you're sane. So there, so there's a difference there between I was crazy then, but I'm fine now. Yeah. Or I'm just crazy all the time. But either way, I mean, that's a pretty low bar. It's really, really hard to be found not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. And those, those people sure are people that truly need... They those people probably truly need institutionalization, correct? <laughs> I, I I would be very comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. That if you are so out of control of your your body and you've proven your ability to create this kind of damage in the world, yeah, I, I it's hard to build a case that says it's okay for this person to be out in society and in the way our culture functions right now. You know, can these people get better? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I've seen people who are profoundly unwell who ultimately can be released from the hospital and live a reasonable life out in the community. Well, but that's and, and out, he, outside of the prison. He had been released before because he was taking the medication and doing what he needed to do, and they said, he's okay now. He's good enough. Yeah, yeah he, he's good now. So, I mean, in the sense that if he'd... If he had stayed on his medication and continued doing whatever type of rehabilitation or whatever he needed back then, you know, maybe none of this would have happened. He would have been okay. It's possible. I mean, because any delusion we talk about, if if you have somebody from the outside who you trust step in and go, dude, uh, what you're doing isn't working and that's not okay and we need to curb this impulse and maybe you find some way... You know, hey, let me teach you how to make steak tartare. Mm-hmm. You know, channel this in some way. Then, yeah, maybe he ends up becoming, you know, a world-class chef. Who, who, who knows? <laughs> but... That did know, not happen not, in this case. <laughs> no, 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 no. It sounds, I mean, squirrel slushies did not take over. Yeah. You know. He's not going to go on... Not, not 
from the ice cream trucks out here. I don't know about California, man. Yeah, he's he's not going to go on Food Network and try and sell that shit. <laughs> no. And so that's the thing is that nobody intervened in a way that was useful for this guy. And so he just got sicker and sicker and sicker. But I, I, I never, like, I think he started to fall apart by the end because, you know, there's this experience of, like, your delusion is not meeting reality. And there comes a point where, like, you know, you know it is not okay to take off a baby's head and eat the brain. You know this. Yes. <laughs> I hope. I know this. And so he knows he's going over the edge now. And so he sort of, like, he stopped trying to clean up. He stopped trying to act normal. People saw him around the neighborhood looking disheveled. So I think there came a point where he tipped over into some form of madness. But I'm not certain that kind of madness necessarily meets the criteria for schizophrenia. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Do you think but maybe... maybe oh, I'm sorry. A delusion that just what? Do you think maybe... Like, he just kind of wanted to get caught, so he just got sloppy on purpose? No. Okay. I don't think so. Um, I, I don't, mo- I, not very many people actually want to get caught. It's <clears throat> more that they do stupid shit because they start to believe they're never going to get caught. He, I never have been so far. I'm not going to ever. I mean, the f- fact that he just so dramatically went to this chaos just, it makes me think that it was just it was an impulse a, a com- he was compelled he felt he had he to overtaken by his own delusion I yeah think. yeah that that's kind of yeah, how i, I was taking he, it he was ever very good at subduing his delusion in favor of reality i think that his whole life he was kind of encouraged to believe himself over anybody else and that this just built and built and blew up yeah Blew up um, big time. <laughs> I'm not, but I mean, one thing we have not talked about is drugs, and he is a known heavy poly substance user, meaning many yes substance user. And I had the opportunity to work under a guy at one of the state hospitals here, um, who had a theory about drug abuse that I really liked, and that is that he he basically said, "Tell me." what the person's drug of choice is, and I can tell you a little bit about their personality. That, you know, you can't, if you're not going to become addicted to cocaine, if you're not prone to it, you can use it and once and never use it again. It just doesn't do it for you. You know, people say that about all kinds of addictive substances. You know, that, oh, I used heroin, it wasn't my thing. And so his theory was that People who are drawn, for instance, to using cocaine are people who feel uh, like their brain is not cycling fast enough somehow. Like they need to speed up their body. Mm-hmm. They, you know, that it's sort of self-medicating, like like self-medicating for ADHD. You know, you give kids speed and they function better. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of idea. And then, of course, you just get intoxicated and overdo it. But that someone who uses heroin habitually is numbing some form of pain. Yeah. Um, and that someone who uses alcohol is feels trapped within themselves, like they feel um, no, what's the word? Uh, Inhibited. Yes, thank you. You know, <laughs> they feel they feel like they can't get out of their own shell. You know, and so yeah, they take they drink, and the first thing that goes is your judgment, and the second thing that goes is your inhibitions. Yeah, and that's why alcohol appeals. But alcohol is a super complicated 
drug, and so it can also treat pain in some ways because of its numbing characteristics. Um, and so alcohol is one of those, like, that's a harder one to classify how the person feels, plus it's illegal. It is a legal drug, and so it's harder to... Mm-hmm to know if people are using it because that's their drug or using it because their drug isn't available to them. Yeah. But, so the fact that he used all kinds of shit, including a lot of hallucinogens. Yeah, LSD. <laughs> that, and, and heavily, it sounds like. And what that says to me is that here's a guy who kind of recognized that his way of perceiving reality wasn't quite right. And let's do what we can to push the boundaries of of perception and you know thoughts about what is real and what is not real that's kind of what hallucinogens do alcohol can do that to an extent too but he didn't especially get that heavy into cocaine or heroin you know or even really pot although mm-hmm. it sounds like some but you know you got to sleep sometime <laughs> so i i wonder a lot about how much of that like maybe he just kind of hit one of those binges, one of those benders where he had not slept for days and days and days and that instead of subduing his delusion built it. Because he was he was on a month long spree. Mm-hmm. And it and just spiraled out of way fucking out of control. <laughs> it, exactly. And I think substance, substance probably played a pretty big role in that. So, I mean, the difference between legal and clinical insanity is pretty big Mm -hmm. i know people who are clinically insane in the sense that their perceptions of reality are not accurate and have not been accurate for many years and they know it and they can't make a lot of the same decisions and they can't interact and they can't function in the world the way that we can but they could execute a very complicated and complex plan and hurt somebody with it and know they're doing it and that makes them legally responsible yeah and i know a lot of people who are otherwise totally sane but in the moment they become so wrapped up in a situation that they are not making rational decisions anymore and so maybe they're not legally sane under the statute so they're two very different things so he can be crazier than a shithouse rat but everything I'm seeing is that he knew what he was doing was wrong. He, he planned it and he tried to hide it. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's very easily evidenced by the fact that he, you know, he took off when people caught him, you know, he took off with Mm -hmm. the baby. He, he knew he was going to be caught. So he left because he knew it was wrong. He grabbed his snack to go. Exactly. (laughs) It was a walking taco. Oh my god! I'm sorry for that. I'm not. I now I really want a walking taco. Uh huh. Baby brains. There you go. No, I still want one. Oh. Well, uh, you know, he was sentenced to death. Sent to death row. Continued to talk about all kinds of crazy, out there, weird shit. I mean, he talked about Nazis and UFOs. And he asked an FBI agent for a radar gun so he could apprehend the Nazi UFOs and then they could stand trial for the murders. I mean, out there. <laughs> and he was only yeah, but... he, he was only sent to one psych unit just once while he was in prison in May of 1979. 
and was soon returned back to death row. And other inmates were even urging him to kill himself as they didn't want his freaky ass locked up near them. And that's got to mean something when death row inmates are like, get that fucker out of here. Well, okay, except I would think, first of all, the report that we have about him talking about Nazis and powdered blood and so on (laughs) is to an FBI agent. He had a lot of reasons why it would benefit him to come off as crazy. True. And so I think he was playing a lot. Uh, Robert Ressler was looking for crazy and found it. Mm Mm-hmm. And... You know, there's a sort of confirmation bias. You see what you expect to see. And I think he did. Um, so, I mean, I think he propelled his delusion for sure. But I also think it sounds, there's sort of a desperation there. Of like, I'm going to find um, uh, UFOs, um, Nazis, um, bingo. I, You know, just looking for something that sounds crazy. Jello pudding. Bah. Bah. <laughs> Where's my bucket? Yeah, so I... Am- so, I don't know. I, you know, the fact that he was brought to a psych unit and brought back to death row, you know, they would have assessed him. And if he really had been, you know, off the wall, they would have kept him. Because here's a fun thing about executions in the United States. You yeah, that's so fun. Him. That's a great, that, that was an awesome <laughs> sentence I just right heard. Here. Here's the fun, right, yeah. It's, it's fabulous, fabulous, absolutely fucking Fabulous. <sighs> death row in the united states so you have to be competent to stand trial right uh-huh you also have to be competent to be executed yep you cannot be brought into that de- that death chamber if you are showing florid delusions or hallucinations or just generally appearing unable to recognize the fact that the state is killing you true you can't you have to know you are being killed. Yeah. So there are situations where somebody has to be assessed for competency to be executed. And then if they are not competent, they have to be medicated in order to restore them. So they haven't been medicated for years and years on death row. And then suddenly they have to be medicated the last six months or so to restore them to competency just to be able to kill them. And yeah. That kind of makes me burst into flames a little bit. <laughs> Makes you and a little that mad. That's why I've never worked in a death penalty state, and I wouldn't. You know, when we when I when we were looking at where to move in the country, we very specifically never looked at death penalty states because I was interested in working for the state and doing forensic and correctional work, mm-hmm. and I will not ever take part in basically giving somebody the rubber stamp that go for it, fry him. Yeah. I won't have that on my head. Yeah, I can completely understand that. Yeah, so it, it does... So he, he had a lot of reason to try to come off as crazy in yeah. those last days. And it sounds like, to an extent it worked, he got off death row for a little bit, but then they figured him out and put him back right back on death row. Yeah. I mean, in layman's terms, we would think of this man, he's just batshit crazy. But if you look at everything, he... Seemed to know exactly what he was doing. So, how much of it is what he made up? How much of it is, you know, mental instability? That becomes a big question. Well, and how how many people do you know out there who hold some fundamental belief differently than you, but otherwise function fine in society? Mm-hmm. Lots, lots and lots. Yeah. And... So, you know, where do you draw that line? And my, my, I don't ever want this guy out. I never would have. And so our system being what it was, it's like, don't put him in a mental hospital. That's for treatment. 
You know, you, this guy is, why even bother treating him if you're going to kill him? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before he got a chance to be executed, um, uh, December 26th of 1980 to be exact, a guard looked into his cell and noticed that he wasn't breathing, he wasn't responding, he was lying face down on his stomach, he had both legs off the bunk, uh, and his arms were up towards his pillows, and his head was just face down in the mattress. And he didn't respond when the guard called out. And Chase was dead. He had evidently been stockpiling his medications for depression and hallucinations, and I think what I read said they came like three capsules at a time to him in a cell. I'm not sure what the standards were back in 1980. I know today, nursing standards, when you're giving medication, is you have to stand there and you have to watch them take the medication. Chase decided he was going to meet death on his own terms, and he stockpiled all these medications and then popped them all at once. And of course, this cause of death was considered toxic ingestion, which is a fancy way of saying overdose. He overdosed on his antidepressants, basically. And uh, upon autopsy, his heart was found to be of normal size. Well, shit. With the pulmonary artery still attached. He found it. Not in powder form. Nope, not withered, not missing pieces. All this time he was afraid, so maybe drinking all that blood did some good. Maybe that shit was really missing and powdery until he drank the rabbit's blood. We'll and never, the people blood. We'll never know. I just know I have to go kill a rabbit tonight. Mm. Good luck with that. I don't see any around here. Uh, or make a frozen if pizza. still alive tomorrow, we'll know it worked. Yeah. yeah. We're all enthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. We're going to try that. So, yeah. So, that's the very fucked up <clears throat> case of Richard Chase. And we would love to hear what you guys think. Was he really psychotic? Did he have a mental illness? Was he making it all up? Did he just have some compulsion? What the fuck was wrong with this guy? Oh, I think he was absolutely delusional. I think we could call that psychotic. Yeah. Um, you know, psychotic is basically just a fancy term for fucked up. Yep. And uh, not rational. I think, he, I think he was unwell, but not in a way... I mean, ultimately, I think... A, a better lawyer today might be able to get him off as not guilty by reason of insanity if they were able to pull enough family history and prior history into it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, here's a man who made plans and followed them through. So even if he wasn't fully responsible for his own actions, do you really want him back out on the streets? Absolutely not. You know, I'm not unless you gave right him now, a job yeah. with like I don't know, like. When they have an overpopulation of certain animals and you need to kill some of them off for the good of the right, land. Like the, the, yeah, the, the deer in upstate New York. Exactly. Give him that job. <laughs> if he stays out, give him that job. I don't know. He would love it. Right. I, have a, I have a different... Very well. I have he would. A, See, that's what I'm saying. Give him a different <clears throat> way to use that energy. <laughs> I have a different take on it. I don't knock anybody for what they think. And I would expect the same, but I think it would be because, I mean, yeah, I mean, if somebody's, I don't want to say the term fucked up, but I'll say it. Just Yeah, he it. was fucked up. Fucked up. I just did, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you want treatment for the person, but at the same time, 
everybody that was killed, they had a parent. They had a brother. They had a sister. They had a kid. And um, it goes. It, it, it also has to do with justice. And um, I'm not saying like, oh, you know, if you kill somebody, you need to have the death penalty. I'm not saying that at all. I never will. But, and again, going to a movie, movie I love, The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. There's a part in The Watchmen where Rorschach kills a guy who killed a girl and fed the girl to dogs. And the guy was like, I need help. Just take me in. I need help. And he grabbed uh, pretty much a hatchet. I think it was a hatchet, if I remember correctly. And he says, I'll never fucking forget it. He said, men go to jail. Animals get put down. Mm-hmm. I get that. I can understand that. 100%. I, I'm not saying send everybody to the chair, send everybody to the gas chamber, but if, if 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 what he did happened to my family and then you tell me, oh, we're, we're treating him in a facility, I'm going to have a problem with that. And yeah. the, the question with that then becomes, where do you draw that line between man and animal? I personally draw it as to, you, you look at what he's done, who he's done it to, what reasons he had to do it, and then really ask yourself the question. And again, this might be controversial. This might be bad. I hope nobody takes offense to it. This is I. I like to consider this an open conversation. But I would look at it and be like, okay, what was gained from him being born, from him being brought into this earth? What did what did he contribute? What did he contribute? What did he do compared to what he did? What did he contribute? Compared to what he's done, who he's done it to, who he's affected. And we're not even talking about the poor animals. But it would be one of those things where it's like, okay, should he have even have been conceived? But then that also turns into that nature versus nurture. Maybe. Maybe. The the dilemma is ongoing. I could be 100% (laughs) wrong. No, but it's everybody just, has their own opinions, and they think opinion. you think your opinion's right, and somebody else thinks their opinion is right, and that's where the debate comes in. I don't think my opinion is right or wrong. It's just it's mine. Yeah, I get to have that opinion. I'm not going to bash anybody who disagrees, and I'm not going to force it on anybody else. If anybody has a different opinion, that's perfectly fine. I mean, he he did get on the stand and admit to killing these people. I mean, in my opinion. He completely deserved the death penalty. He knew he did it. He was aware he did it. He most likely planned them. He had it marked out on a fucking calendar. So, I mean, people like that, yeah, death penalty. The the Dahmers, the people that you know for certain did this shit. And will our money, will our, I mean, the, 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 the question was actually kind of answered tonight. Will the money spent, will the medications administered, all these things, would that fix it? Or will he just stay in? Can he never, for the rest of his natural-born life, ever be rehabilitated? Can he ever rejoin society? You cut the head off a baby and try to eat the fucking brains. How can you work at a... You can't be a bag boy at a grocery store. I don't think there are bag boys anymore, but you get my point. (laughs) It's... It's self-checkout now. Bag your own shit. Yeah, because they got my fucking application where I want to be a fucking cashier now. I hate self-checkouts. My point is, is that there has to be, there, in my opinion, there has to come a time where it's like, okay, it's lost on you. It's all lost on you. The best thing to do right now is to just old yeller the shit out of you. 
And I'm not saying do that with somebody who, you know, breaks into somebody's house and kills them. Like, oh, give him death penalty. Well, no, he might be able to be, you know, he might go and find religion in prison. He might educate himself. He might show total fucking remorse for what he did. But there's those who don't. And those who don't, I don't know. Well, and then that brings up, you know, the case, I believe it was up in Canada, the guy who attacked a man on a bus. Do you recall that? Yep, Vincent Lee. Yeah, Vincent Lee. And attacked this guy on the bus, mutilated him, cut his head off, cut pieces off of his body. Was was it axe? No. Machete or just... Just a knife. Yeah, on a bus there's so many of things people. That, there's so many things that happen in this world, I can't remember what well, you're talking about. And you know how, uh, quote-unquote, lax Canada's punishment laws are? In my opinion, they're not as strong as they need to be. Just my opinion. But he's out now. And we just have to trust that he's taking his medication and doing what he needs to do. And we just have to trust that. But this man brutally assaulted and killed and defiled this man in front of all these other passengers and onlookers. Yeah. So think about the man who was attacked and killed. His family would be like, fucking really? You're just, he's out. He's out walking around. This is okay with you guys. And if, furthermore, if he went and, I don't even know if they have the death penalty in Canada. They probably fucking don't. They don't. I I like Canada though. They're awesome. I I do like them. But, um, A, uh, but um, let's say it was America, and he was let out, and he killed another family. He killed a whole family. Then people you, would fucking lynch him. All you would have to do <laughs> is really just go to the governor and be like, you know, if you gave him the death penalty, that family would be fucking alive right now. Mm-hmm. You failed. You failed. You had a chance to stop this shit, and you didn't do it. And now somebody else just suffered for it. But then on the other side, what if he is rehabilitated and he does continue to do his therapy and his medication regimen and he's fine the rest of his life? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's one of those is the the juice worth the squeeze type of thing. I I think that... Oh, shit. Now I'm getting an echo all of a sudden. Isn't that very confusing? You sound okay over here. Okay, good. (laughs) So, our... The way things are right now in the United States, the way the prison system is right now in the United States, rehabilitation is a joke. We are not focused on releasing anybody back no. to the community, much less the big scary ones. Yep. I saw many former prisoners when I was doing crisis work, guys who were trying as hard as they could to walk the straight and narrow and and live a live a normal life now and they could not get a job and they couldn't stay hired once people found out they'd been in prison or their job was in some way breaking terms of their parole or whatever the hell there was just there are so many blocks up in our society that prevent them from from functioning and we don't give them any sort of job training and so if this is the, the only life they know and they go into prison living it, what would make them change on the outside? So basically, you know, prison right now is the best college you'll ever go to if you want to learn how to become a better criminal. Mm-hmm. That's all it teaches you. It, it, it makes you more likely to to offend again because 
of your status. Yeah, you're just and, a rat in a cage. And I understand that. I agree. So, I agree completely. Given all that, so given that, then if you get somebody who is sick in the way that Richard Chase was, and you know, sick can mean a lot of different things, but he was not a well man. He was not a rational no. man. And he didn't seem to understand that there was a whole lot wrong with him, but he knew something wasn't right. And you're not treating him. You're putting him in this situation where he's either in solitary all the time or he's learning how to be a better criminal. And those are his only two options. Then no, don't ever release him because we're not doing him any good. We're not doing society any good. And once he's released, our post-release monitoring and support is non-existent. So, you know, there's no way to keep track of, is he taking his meds? Is he doing a good job? Is he behaving? Is he following parole? Or is he preparing for another crime? We're not right now set up. We put so much effort into punishment and making punishments harsher and harsher that it doesn't even matter. You know, in a practical sense, as long as the death penalty exists, we're wasting money because it costs so much money to imprison somebody on death row that it's just cost inefficient. It doesn't make any sense to do that. You know, put him in put him in general population. If you really want him killed, put him in general population. They'll sort it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or let's funnel some effort into helping these people find some reason to be more productive members of society instead of unproductive members of society. That's been a interesting look at things tonight this was fun it was it was fun it was fun and we appreciate you coming on so much kate it's been great i have been waiting for a year to be able to get on your show i know you've been saying use me and now we are (laughs) and like well i get to effectively you know guilt you through it through patreon i win it's good it's great oh so Please tell our listeners where they can find you, what your show is. I, uh, my name's Kate, and my show is Ignorance Was Bliss. I am at IWB Podcasts everywhere on podcatchers and on social media. And um, come play. Yes, it's a great show. Please listen. She's still in her early stages, but we've been supporting her all the way. And is doing the so great. It is. It's been a so, it's been so much fun. You know, I decided this is, uh, you know, I said before, I'm home on disability, and so I'm fairly limited in a lot of stuff I can do in, in, in ways I can spend my time and energy, whatever. And I decided I'm going to try this, and I'm going to stick with it as long as it is more fun than stress. And so far, it has been a blast. <laughs> we love it, and I'm so glad you decided to get started on one of your own. Because Kate has been a very big supporter of ours since our humble beginnings when our sound was shit and uh, yeah. <laughs> you could hear trains going by. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I'm hard of hearing. I can't hear any of that. <laughs> and uh, it's not like we have a much better set now. We have a better mic, but here we are sitting in our living room. <laughs> oh, and can I tell you that um, Emily is a great artist. She is. And she is great to have on the podcast. Really enjoyed it. And also, next episode coming out with with vampires, um, your main boy, Billy, also makes a reference to this great um, 
field work manual. Uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> yes. It's yes, a, that is a major reference reference book of mine. Yes. Yeah, it's a three part uh, masterpiece, and uh, it's an anthology. Uh, oh my god! Did you know they changed the fucking artwork? No, they did not. They republished it under a different fucking artist oh because that artist. I want to say Schultz, but I could be wrong. Uh, Schultz did something. <laughs> the guy who did Peanuts. Yeah, same. Somebody <laughs> wrote it, and somebody did the artwork, but somebody's name in there, I think, was Schultz, and. Um, yeah, they redid it for younger kids. And, I, and I've seen the pictures, and I'm like, ah, come on, man. Those pictures were so terrifying. Oh, God. Even now. Yeah. Even now, like, I could picture myself having a tattoo of one of those pages on my back. I don't know why. I, this might be a fantasy, but <laughs> on my back. That's your paraphilia? At a water park. And you know when you're in line to go on the water slide and there's the, the stairs are going up? Uh-huh. I could picture like a, a six-year-old kid crying behind me. Because <laughs> you have one of Because I have one of those of tattoos on me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she is, a, she, is a, she is a delight and she is a terrific artist. And I know she does work with other podcasts, but um, that uh, Billy Snuggle Bunny Jones portrait. You are on her list. Okay, great, great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Check she that is one just off. finishing up some some artwork for school, and uh, then yeah, you know you're right up there on her list of uh, <laughs> real world stuff. <laughs> I'm not gonna rush it. I don't want to rush anything. I'm still waiting on a picture of Billy taking a shit in front of everyone in Iraq. Come on, I'm not Heather. Going to ask my 17 year old daughter. <laughs> okay, we're just, I'm line. We asked uh, another listener, Heather, to do that. <laughs> she said she wasn't That's going That's to. Go find Ignorance is Bliss, listen, support, review, subscribe, all that shit. Same stuff for us. Martinis the Macabre, Facebook and Instagram. Martinis underscore Macabre for Twitter. You can follow uh, all of our shenanigans on those, as well as our fan-based group, Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre on Facebook. You can also visit our website, martinisandthemacabre.com, where we have a full playable track listing of all the episodes and all the music for both seasons by Phaser765. He also makes the artwork for the show, so great thanks to him. Fully playable track listing of all his songs. And as we're recording this, actually, this next episode will be out in four minutes. (laughs) Oh, great. So yeah, you can find him on YouTube, SoundCloud, and uh, please go on iTunes, give us a rating and a review. It really helps us become more visible, uh, widen our audience. It would be so greatly appreciated, especially five stars. That'd be great. And if you send us a screenshot of your review or a shout out on Facebook or Twitter, retweet, we will send you a sticker. Just give us your address. Let us know. Got anything, Kate? No, I'm good. I hope to see, you know, everybody hang. I know a lot of your listeners already because I've been one. And you have a, you have a rabid fan base yourself. So keep hanging out. Okay, you too. Keep chugging them out and we'll keep listening. Sounds like a plan. All right. This has been great. Thanks for coming on. It was so fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs>
dude, we have got to lay off of Canada for a while. 